Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have new life to live through Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for what you did to forgive us, to redeem us, to set us in this new life we have. God, would you please fill us with the Holy Spirit now as we look into your word, as we contemplate what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At the beginning of this summer, I preached a message entitled Devoted from Acts 2, 42 through 47. I'm, I'm guessing most of you could quote long sections of it, right? You just remember it so much like you remember... No, I don't expect that. But um, if you've noticed today in the bulletin, the, the title of my sermon t- for today is Devoted Remix, and it's from the same passage. Do you know what a remix is? So you think about a song that was popular perhaps like 20 years ago, there was a song, and then now 20 years later, perhaps it's the same artist, or maybe it's another artist, and they they take that same song, but they change it up a little bit. Maybe they put a new beat to it or something, and then they release it again. Uh, They did this with the song, I Can Only Imagine. You remember that song from, I think it was released in 2001? Well, they just came out with a movie, which is a pretty good movie, by the way. Christine and I just saw it yesterday. Uh, But when they came out with a movie, they also came out with a remix version of that song, and they released it again on the the radio wave. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing with my sermon today. I'm doing a, a remix of the sermon I did back at the beginning of the summer. And I planned it this way. This wasn't my attempt just to write one sermon and then preach it twice. This was my attempt for us at the, at the beginning of the summer to think about what should it look like for my life to be devoted to Jesus Christ this summer. Now, as we're at the beginning of the fall, I wanted to do the same thing and ask the question, what does it mean for my life to be devoted to Jesus Christ this fall? Now, please understand, what I'm going to preach to you today is not just about getting involved in stuff at Cornerstone. It's much deeper than that. At the heart of what we're talking about today is this wonderful passage in Acts 2. This is clearly, I think, one of the most important passages in the Bible. I have a a series that I've done where I walk through the Bible. This is one of the passages that shows up there. What happens in Acts 2 is that there's a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills the believers of God, and then one of those believers, the Apostle Peter, preaches a sermon. And it's this amazing sermon about what Jesus did to die on the cross for our sins, to to purchase our salvation, and, amazingly, to rise again from the dead. And near the end of Acts 2, it says that the the people were cut to the heart. So they they heard this powerful message of God, this powerful movement of God, and and all these people were basically saying, what do we do? And, And Peter then urged them to repent to turn away from their life of sin and to turn toward Jesus, to give their lives to Jesus, to receive him. And amazing what what it says in Acts 2.41 is that about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Uh, Pretty amazing stuff that was going on. So God sent his servant, the Apostle Peter, to proclaim the gospel just like we're called to proclaim the gospel today. And a bunch of people responded by faith to the gospel But then it's interesting. You had this small group of believers and then this large, large group of people that join with them. So you've got people who've been walking with Jesus for a while and then you had all these new people and together they had to figure out what do we do next? And it's a great question for us to ask ourselves as well. For those of us who have received Jesus as our Savior and Lord, whether that was just this week or whether it was a long time ago, we should constantly be asking that question, what's next? What's next? And here's the way I like to think of it. 
For me, it was about, let's see, 1992, it was about 26 years ago that I, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And at that moment, I knew what I was doing. I was giving my life to Him. I, I recognized that, that there were some things about my life that, that might have to go. And, and honestly, maybe you, some of you remember it feeling this way. I was a little scared. I was a little bit nervous about both what God had for me and what I might want for my life that, that God wouldn't want me to have. But I knew at that moment that the only proper response was to give my life to Jesus as Savior and Lord. And oftentimes when I'm here preaching, I, I remind you that the word Lord means master. It means he's the one in charge. So, so we give our lives to him. Now, let's fast forward from that point, that point where we received Jesus as Savior and Lord. If we received him as Lord, then what should he be now? He should still be the Lord of our lives, right? And we should still be asking that question, what next? What do I do next? As I seek to follow Jesus on the path that God has laid out for me in the power of the Holy Spirit, what next? How can I live out my devotion to Jesus Christ right now? Well, the answer to that question, what I get from Acts 2, is this. It's my big idea for today. It's the same big idea I had four months ago. That's the part of the remix here. It's this. Jesus is Lord. We should be fully devoted to him. Jesus is Lord. We should be fully devoted to him. I think that one of the main points of Peter's sermon in Acts 2 is to show people that Jesus is Lord. He's the one who is rightly in charge. And because he is in charge, we should give our lives to him. We should be devoted to him. That word devoted shows up twice in our passage. It shows up in, right away in verse 42 where it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. But this same word, the same Greek word translated devoted here, also shows up in verse 46. It's a little bit hard to translate into English, so I've underlined it for you. It says, every day they continued, that, that's the word devoted, they continued with devotion to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So it's this word devoted that I want us to consider again today. Now, if you remember back in May when I preached this sermon, I used an illustration about Michael Phelps, the, the standout Olympic athlete who is devoted to swimming. And if you were to, to know Michael Phelps during the time that he was training for his swimming, you would see that six days out of the week, he would swim eight miles per day, which is just mind-boggling that anybody could swim that far. But you think about what he was doing, he was sprinting a lot of that as well. And one of the things that I shared in that illustration four months ago is that he was burning off so many calories in his swims that he would have to take in just an insane amount of calories. And, and I walked you through just what one of his meals would look like, and it's like enough food for a, a grown adult for a whole day, and he's just eating that for breakfast, and then swimming, and then having a huge meal, and then swimming, and then having another huge meal. And if you knew Mike, Michael Phelps in those days, you would see clearly that he was devoted to swimming. So the question is for us, if we are devoted to Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, what should it look like in our daily lives? If we want to follow God today, what kind of commitments should we be making to follow him? And part of my answer to that question is getting back to this passage in Acts 2, 42 through 47. We see this picture of what the early church did as they answered that question, and I want us to learn from them, not that we pattern our lives just exactly after the things that they did, but we learn from them because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. We, we learn from them 
And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we now seek to apply the things that God is teaching us, the things that God is putting on our hearts. We should live them out in our daily lives. In fact, as a church, we have a, a core value statement. We have six core values, and they come from this passage. Every one of our six core values shows up in this passage because we as a church feel like there are such important things in here that, that we should pattern our lives after them. So I'm going to read our passage for you today. Acts 2, 42-47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now again, I mentioned that we have six core values at Cornerstone patterned after what we see here. I want to put those six core values up on the screen. We've got worship, prayer, the word, fellowship, evangelism, and service. Those are, those are six things that we should be devoted to, like the early church was devoted to, as we seek to follow Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Now in my sermon back in May, I walked through all six of them. But today I don't want to do that. Today I just want to pick out three of them. Prayer, the Word, and fellowship. And I, and I want to walk through those three. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that the other three are unimportant. Not at all. That, that's, that's not what we're saying here. But what we're saying is, I want us to, to look at specifically prayer and the Word and fellowship and to consider what our devotion to God looks like as we consider those three topics. So let's start with prayer. It says in verse 42, again, that this early group of believers devoted themselves to prayer. Now, some of you know that it says specifically there, literally, that they devoted themselves to the prayers. If we were to translate it literally, it would, the word prayer would be plural there, the prayers. And, and most theologians agree that this is probably a reference to the Jewish times of prayer that, that they would have grown up in. So the, this early church took that pattern of regular set times for Jewish prayer and they continued in that pattern as they followed Jesus Christ. The early church maintained a, a high level of devotion to prayer. And if you're reading through the book of Acts, you would, if you were looking for it, you would see it all over the place. In fact, I thought I would just kind of point out a few of them in the book of Acts, but there were so many of them that I, I didn't feel like I could do it just. So I only just want to pick out two verses, and please know, there's way more than this. But Acts 1.14 says, They all joined together constantly in prayer. And, and that word constantly is the same word, devoted. So they were devoted to prayer. And then similarly in Acts 12.12, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. You should not underestimate just how important prayer was in the life of the early church. And, and again, there's many, many more verses I could show you from the book of Acts. But it wasn't just the early church. You fast forward about 20 years later, and the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to the church in the city of Thessalonica. And he gave what is one of the shortest verses, but also one of the most difficult verses in the Bible. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he said, Pray continually. Any of you figured out how to do that one yet? I'm still working on that one. Um, although I know part of it. I'll use a double negative here if you'll allow me. Part of the answer in praying continually is not that we would not be devoted to it. Does that make sense? 
If we're going to pray continually, there needs to be a, a high level of devotion that we would have towards prayer. Now, last Sunday, Dan Schindler gave a wonderful sermon on prayer. And Dan, I thank you for that. I, I just love uh, hearing your heart on those things. Thank you for thinking about that. For, for months and months, he was thinking about that. And if you haven't listened to that sermon yet, I, I want to encourage you to listen to that. It's on our website. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me from Dan's sermon, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase him, because that's what people do when they quote preachers, is they paraphrase. So um, he said something like this, pray until God fixes it. And, and I, I like that idea that... W- when, when something feels off in our lives, the thing that we should do is we should just earnestly and eagerly and continually seek God until he fixes it. Because we might be tempted to do a couple of other things. We might be tempted to worry about it or to, to try to take it under our own control. Brian, I like what you said today. We can either have faith or control, but you can't have both. So in prayer, we show our dependence on God, our faith in God, that we trust him to take care of it. Or for some of you, maybe if something's going wrong, you, you maybe just want to pretend it's not there and ignore it. Well, let's not do any of that stuff. Let's, instead, let's go to God in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And then when God fixes it, what do we do? We, we thank him and we continue to pray for all sorts of stuff in our lives. So we should be people who are devoted to prayer. Now, individually, that means making time, regular time for prayer, time for pouring out our hearts to God, just talking to God about the stuff of our life, asking him to show us what he wants us to do, trusting that he will take care of it and that we don't have to worry. And also in prayer, in our individual prayer, we can lift up the people that are are dear to us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, whoever it is that we're close to. Or we can also lift up our enemies in prayer pray that God would change their hearts too and soften their hearts. But prayer isn't only something that we do privately. So I want to challenge you in your individual private prayer life to take everything to God in prayer. But then I also want to challenge you to think about what does your prayer look like with other believers? I think the early church did this well. Again, if you were to look through the book of Acts, you would see that they were, they were doing a great job of praying together. And, and one thing that I think the, the Church of America has lost a little bit is this idea of praying together. Although, let me say that one place that we do see it really well is in our small group Bible studies. I, I love this. In our small group Bible studies, we gather together, we, we have fellowship with each other, we open up God's word, and then almost always we leave time for prayer requests at the end. And it's cool because one person might have a really urgent prayer request one day, and, and everybody prays for it. And then we come back together the next week and we, and we just talk to that person. How is it gone? That thing that you mentioned. And you know what happens? We get to know each other. We, we share life with, with each other, which is exactly what God wants us to do. And we see God answer prayers in the midst of all that. So I want to I encourage you to, I want to challenge you to have this group prayer in your life, to make sure that there's something in your life where you have that kind of prayer, where you're praying for others and where you're being prayed for. So application here is very simple. Are you devoted to prayer? Are you devoted to prayer? Are you devoted individually? Are you spending time with God? And are you devoted with other believers? Are you lifting up their requests and sharing your requests with them so they can pray for you too? Are you praying continually? Are you devoted to prayer? Okay, let's move on to our next point. The Word. 
in Acts 2.42, it says that these early believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And we know what the apostles were teaching because they wrote it down. And, and one great place where we see the apostles' teaching is in Acts 2, where Peter, in the power of the Holy Spirit, gives a sermon. And in his sermon, he quotes three Old Testament passages. It's, it's wonderful. He's taking the Old Testament and showing the plan that God had foretold about how he would send the Messiah to die for our sins and to be raised again from the dead so that people should put their faith in him. So you see what Peter was doing here? He was proclaiming the word. He was proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, why do you think Peter did that? This Acts 2, this is shortly after Jesus had ascended back into heaven. So as Peter is trying to figure out in the power of the Holy Spirit what he should do, I think he just kind of followed the model of Jesus. Because this is what Jesus would do. He would go around and he would proclaim scripture and he would proclaim the gospel. So that the same thing that Jesus was devoted to, Peter was devoted to. Now, let's think about us. Here's one way that I like to say it. Jesus had a very high opinion of Scripture, and we should have the same opinion of Scripture that he does. It wouldn't make any sense for Jesus to have this really high view and for us to say that Jesus is Lord and we believe in him, and then for us to say, well, but I don't need the Bible so much in my life. No, we should have the same opinion of Scripture that Jesus did. And what was Jesus' opinion of Scripture? Well, there's one I love. You'll probably know it. It's from that time where Jesus was in the desert and he was being tempted by Satan. And do you remember how Jesus answered? He answered with Scripture. So the verse I'm going to show you is Jesus quoting a verse from the Old Testament. In Matthew 4, 4, he said, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. To Jesus, Scripture was like food, and we are to feast on it. So it's interesting. If you think back to my illustration on Michael Phelps, he knew that he needed food and a lot of it if his body was going to get in shape. Now, spiritually speaking, we should have that same view of Scripture, that we need Scripture. Jesus prayed that we would be made holy according to God's word. Well, what should we be doing with it then? We should be feasting on it. Historically speaking, one of the descriptions of believers has been that they were a people of the book. A people of the book. May it be true of us. We are the people who believe that God has given us a book, his word, the Bible. We are people who believe, like Jesus said elsewhere, that scripture cannot be broken. We believe that it is like food to us, and we are to feast on it. Yet I know that it can be really easy for us to lose our devotion to scripture. Okay? I know that life can get in the way. I've heard lots of people say, life has just been too busy, I haven't had time. Or perhaps we think that the Bible is boring, or that we know it well enough already. Or maybe we get lulled into this idea to think that we can get through life without Scripture. And you know what? In one sense, we can. We can go to work or school, we can pay the bills, we can hang out with our family or our friends, we can find things to enjoy. We can do all of that stuff without Scripture. But let's never forget that God gave us his word because he wants to lead us into the life that he has for us. There's a path that God has for us, and I want us to keep seeking God, to keep seeking him as we listen to him to figure out the life that he has for us. I want us to be devoted to scripture. So, application. Are you devoted to God's word? What's your plan? 
One of the reasons I think that people fail to be devoted to God's Word is because they don't have a plan. So I, I do encourage you. I have my own Bible reading plan. The simple version of it is that I read a book of the Bible and then I check it off in the table of contents and I go to the next book. Um, I, I do want to urge you to read the Scripture as it was written to us in, in book form. Don't, don't just do scattershot, one verse here, one verse here all the time. It can be okay to do that every once in a while, but let's read it in, in the way it was given to us. Read it one book at a time. Uh, come up with your own plan. Maybe that means you spend 15 minutes in the morning. Maybe it means you have a couple times throughout the day. Whatever it is, find your plan, something that you can actually do to read Scripture. So that's individually. I want you to have your plan to read Scripture, to, to soak in it, to meditate on it. But then, just like with prayer, I want to challenge you to do this in a group setting as well. We have lots of things here at Cornerstone where you can put yourself around other people who are studying the Bible. That's why we preach sermons here on Sunday morning, but that's why we also do things like Sunday school and small group Bible studies and men's and women's ministries and youth group and all these sorts of things where you will be around people who will open up the Bible. And, and we have teachers at Cornerstone. We have good teachers at Cornerstone who can teach you the Word of God. And I want to challenge you to put yourself under the teaching of good teachers and put yourself around other believers who are looking to soak it up. Okay, let's move on to our third point. Fellowship. Fellowship. I want you to look at the passage today, whether that's in your bulletin or in your Bible. Look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, and I'm just going to read some of the phrases in there about being devoted to fellowship. So it starts off right away there in verse 42. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, um, either a reference to communion or just to eating together. Uh, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day these believers continued to meet together, whether that was in the temple or whether it was in their homes. They kept meeting together, and again they ate together and they enjoyed each other. This group of believers knew that they would be stronger together. So in my sermon back in May, that was one of the main points. I, I said that as we think about our devotion to Jesus Christ and we think about this summer, I challenge you to be devoted to fellowship. So I just want to ask you now, how did that go? Were, were there times where you got together with other believers and, and shared uh, a meal or shared scripture or shared prayer requests or, or maybe all of the above? And, and I just want you to think about what, what can that devotion to fellowship look like now? I, I've heard so many people say that, that summer in Minnesota is, is two things. It's very different than the rest of the year and it goes so fast. So in case you didn't notice it, Summer is basically over. Yeah, we still have some good weather left. Let's enjoy that. But let's also get our minds in gear for what, what season it is now. It's a, it's a different season. And let's figure out what it means for us to be devoted to fellowship in this season of life. So why is fellowship so important in our walk with God? I think it's because we were designed to encourage one another. Both, both to encourage others and to be encouraged by others. And I get it. Sometimes the exact opposite of that happens, right? We've all heard the stories uh, of people who put themselves around believers and then somebody says something or does something or somebody doesn't do something that they were hoping they would do and, and somebody's response is, well, if that's what Christians are like, I just don't need to be a part of it. We, we've all probably heard of people who say that they love God but they just almost never put themselves around other believers. I just want to challenge that assumption. I, I think that God encourages us, challenges us, commands us to put ourselves around other believers because it's good for us. It's good for us. 
We should be devoted to fellowship. One of the ways you can be devoted... Uh, let me say it this way. One of the ways that you can understand what it means to be devoted is to look at what the opposite of it would be. So the opposite of being devoted to something, I think, would be to give up on something. And there's a, there's a helpful scripture on that regard. In Hebrews 10.25 it says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Just think about that. Some people have stopped being in fellowship with other believers. Uh, we see it all the time. You, you can look at the statistics in America. You could just look at people that you know and you see that sometimes people just make this choice and, and some people do it intentionally just to back off and say, No, I'm not going to do that. I don't need that. But here, we're commanded not to give up meeting together. It goes on to say, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a day coming. Did you know it? Jesus Christ is coming again. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be glory for all who follow him. As we look for that day coming, let us encourage one another and all the more. Let us put ourselves around other believers. And yes, I know it can be messy sometimes. I know that people can get on your nerves. But God says it's good for you. So let's intentionally put ourselves around other believers. We are not to give up meeting together. You know, we're all going to go through stuff in life. And I pray that when you go through the next thing that God allows to come your way, that there's going to be a group of believers around you to support you, to pray for you, to love you, to be there to listen to you. And I also pray that your eyes are open to the believers around you who are going through something that you can be there for as well. And that stuff's just not going to happen if you don't put yourself in community with other believers. So that's my challenge for you. You know, when my kids were younger, when I was talking about you all, I used to call you my church friends. I wanted to describe to my kids who, who you were. And I, I said that those, those are our church friends. We love them and we like to spend time with them. But I, I changed that several years ago. I made an intentional effort. Instead of calling you my church friends, I now call you my church family. Because I believe that that's the word picture that God has for us. He is our Father. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And you know what? It says in the book of Hebrews, I believe, that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. That when we come to Christ, we become a brother or sister to Christ. And then similarly, when, when you come to Christ, and when I come to Christ, that makes us siblings as well in the family of God. And I know sometimes family can be difficult. There are some people who who cut themselves off from their family. But you know what? I, I think most people who do that carry that baggage with them. Am I right on that? If people cut themselves off from their family, they feel it deeply for the rest of their lives. We, we have friends that come and go, and maybe, maybe that doesn't pain us as much, but people who lose family really lose something. So on the positive side of that, I want you to see that God puts us in family, and including a church family, so that we can encourage each other to keep walking with Jesus Christ. So that as we seek to live out our devotion to Jesus Christ, we can be there together and support each other in doing that. I pray that the family of God will be a blessing to you and that you will be a blessing to the family of God. So please, don't sit this one out. Too many so-called Christians try to do this walk alone. Don't let that be you. We were created to encourage and support and serve and love one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. So the application. You might be expecting this one. Are you devoted to Christian fellowship? What would it look like for you to live out that kind of devotion in your daily life? Now in my other two, I talked about how we could do that individually 
and together? Well, it's kind of hard to have Christian fellowship individually, so I don't have anything to say to you on that point. But are you devoted to being around other Christians because you recognize that that is part of what it means for you to be devoted to Jesus Christ? I challenge you to think about your devotion to Christian fellowship. So in my sermon so far, I've tried to suggest to you that we should be devoted to prayer, to God's word, and to being in fellowship with other believers. In a similar way that Michael Phelps was devoted to his training schedule, we should live out our devotion to Jesus Christ in our daily lives. But I got to thinking, Michael Phelps is like a phenomenal standout Olympic athlete, and I'm just a regular guy uh, amidst a bunch of regular people, although some of you stand out more than I do. But I got to thinking, instead of thinking about an Olympic athlete, what would it look like to be devoted to swimming in Fergus Falls? So I decided to ask our very own swimmer, Chloe Schindler, that question. Maybe you've seen Chloe's name in the paper. I've seen her name in the paper twice. Congratulations on it. Was it third place finish at your last meet? Way to go on that. But here's the idea. If you know Chloe well, you would know that she is a swimmer and that that takes up a lot of her time during the swim season. So I asked her to share with us some of what it looks like to be devoted to the Fergus Falls swim team. And here's what she said. Um, for high school, practices start in mid-August and our season ends mid-November. During school, we practice from 3.40 to 5.40, Monday through Friday. And then I love this next part. Optional, highly suggested morning swim practice. Which, which one is it? Is it optional or is it highly suggested? We get it, don't we? We know exactly what that means when it's optional, but also if you're not there, hmm... So those optional practices are Tuesday and Thursday mornings from 6.20 to 7.30. She said also often on Saturdays a cross-training activity is offered, and from right around now to mid-October we have meets almost every Tuesday and Thursday, one home and one usually away, with a few Saturday meets. She says to be successful you have to work hard, and it's really good to go to the morning swims, hint, hint, go to the morning swims, just to get more yards in. Eating right is important, as we burn a lot of fuel. Sleep is important, especially when school kicks in, which also makes it harder to get sleep with homework. So you notice what she's saying there is that there's a lot of stuff going on if you're going to be a good swimmer. And there's other stuff that you have to do too, like homework and sleep, and you have to find time for all that. And I know Chloe is devoted to walking with Jesus Christ as well, and she's very intentional about getting uh, time to spend with Jesus. But here's the deal. If, if you know Chloe during the season, you know that she's making choices because of what she has chosen to be involved in. And there was one thing that she didn't say that I thought I wanted to add about swimming. It's the hair. Towards the end of the season, you really notice who's devoted to swimming because their hair shows it. The guys, they shave their heads to become more aerodynamic. Or is it hydrodynamic? I don't know. But, uh, and then Chloe, did she have blue hair last year, I think? So, yeah. So why do I use this analogy? Well, I think it, it fits well into my conclusion for today. If you're devoted to something, it should show up in your daily life. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, it should show up in your daily life. Again, when I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord, I knew that I was giving my life to him. And honestly, like I said before, I was a little bit scared and, and nervous about that. But I knew it was the only reasonable thing to do, to give my life, my entire life, to him. And to say, what do you have for me? Instead of going to him and to say, here's the stuff I'd like to do, we, we should go to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? You see, if Jesus was Lord when you received him, what should he be now? He should be your Lord. 
What kinds of things should you be devoted to right now as you seek to continue your walk with Jesus Christ? So the reason that I wanted to give this sermon, this remix sermon now, is because I want us to consider what it means for us to be devoted as we enter into the fall. And and specifically, I want to urge you to consider what it means to be devoted to prayer, to God's word, and to fellowship with other believers. Now, as I think about those three things, I think about the things that we do at Cornerstone because you see when I'm training our leaders for how they should lead whether that's small group Bible study or Sunday school whatever it is I I train them to lead in prayer in God's word and in fellowship with other believers so if you get involved in some of the stuff at Cornerstone you will be in an environment where we will be doing those things together and and let me just say the, the stuff that we do at Cornerstone it isn't just stuff I mean, on on one hand, it is just stuff. You don't earn brownie points by going to it. Not with me, not with God. But the the stuff that we do is meant to encourage us to do the things that we know that we should be doing in our walk with God. So if you get involved in something through Cornerstone, it will be designed with those things in mind. And let me just run through the list of things that you could get involved with here at Cornerstone. I've mentioned some of these in our announcements earlier. I just want to walk through them again. Small group Bible studies. Again, these are wonderful opportunities for you, not just to study God's Word, because I, I train the leaders. They don't, don't just, okay, at 6 o'clock, open up, open up your Bible and then close it at 7 and wait. No, it's not like that. We, we leave intentional time in there just for fellowship, just for hanging out, to get to know each other. And then we study God's Word, and then we pray together. And like I said, those, those prayer times can be really sweet times where you get to know other people and where we we come before the Lord and trust that he knows it all and takes care of it all. So we'll be getting more info to you about those very soon. We like to have those started up by the beginning of October. Also, we have Sunday school starting up. And like I said, we have Sunday school for all ages. And, And again, those are places where we will be around other believers, where we'll be opening up God's word together, and where we'll be praying together. Uh, For parents, I want you to know that when you put your kids in a Sunday school class, they're going to be around other kids who are doing those things. And I I love that that peer relationship that they get. It's the same thing that goes on at youth group as we talk about our Wednesday night youth group. Kids get together with adults who love them and and with other kids, and they open up God's word together. So I want to encourage you to think about that for, for your kids. We also have, like I said, these men's and women's studies. And I say plural because uh, we'll get you more info about all of those that are going to be coming up. But again, I want to encourage you to be in those. Sometimes there's things that are just better shared within your own gender. Uh, And and you pray about those things and you build those deep connections, those friendships that that can last forever. It's pretty cool. Um, A couple more things uh, for college students. We've got crew. I don't know if there's any college students here, but uh, we also have... Um, Awana for kids who are um, not old enough to be in our youth group. Awana isn't something we do at Cornerstone, but it's something that we partner with. Crossroads Church, it opens up their doors and invites people, kids to come in. It's a great place to, to learn scripture and to be around other kids who are, who are seeking after God. So I just want to challenge you because ultimately it isn't about just joining something at Cornerstone. What this is about is living out our devotion to Jesus Christ. He is Savior and Lord, and there are things that we know that we should be doing. Now, as I, as I shared, kind of I, one of the things I meant to share when I was sharing that illustration from Chloe and her swimming, for her to be involved in swimming means that she's not going to be involved in some other stuff. There might be some times where she has to say to her friends, sorry, um, I had practice all day and I've got to get my homework done. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to go with you to that movie tonight. 
Now, think about it. In regard to getting involved with something at Cornerstone, you might be thinking, yeah, maybe I'd like to be part of a small group Bible study, but I don't know that I want to give up another night of my week. And believe me, I get it. There are times when I'm preparing to go to a small group Bible study and I'm thinking, oh man, I would much rather just relax right now and, and flip on the game or something like that. Um, but our devotion to Jesus Christ means that sometimes we do things that we know are good for us even if we don't feel like we want to do them. And, and it's okay sometimes if you, if you have to grab yourself by the shirt collar and say, you know what, we're just going to do this because I know it's going to be good for me. Uh, maybe some of you, you know, some of those settings you don't love, you don't love the idea of giving up some time. I just want to challenge you. Just between you and the Lord right now, just talk to God and say, God, what do you want my fall to look like? I've got my ideas. And again, we've got two paths. So often I've been thinking about this. There's a path where we walk with Jesus Christ and we go where he leads us. And there's a path where we would reject him and do whatever we want to do. Now, we have to be careful with that, even as believers, because we still have our own desires. And I just want you right now to lay those desires before Jesus and say, God, what do you want from me? And, and I want you to think specifically about your schedule and the stuff that you're involved in and the stuff that maybe God wants you to be involved in. And, and pray until God fixes it, right? Pray until God shows you what he wants you to do. I want to challenge you to put yourself in the right environment for growth, where you'll be committed to prayer, committed to God's word, and committed to fellowship with other believers. How will you show your devotion to Jesus Christ? I hope that it's not just in theory that you're devoted to Jesus Christ, but that it actually shows up in your daily life as well. Could you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for how you lead us so well. And, and God, we just know that... Um, some of the ways in which you lead us, we, we maybe bristled against it first, or maybe we still bristle against them. But God, we know that your ways are best, and we just come humbly before you right now, God, and say, what do you want our lives to look like? How can we live out our devotion to Jesus Christ as Lord? God, would you please show us, even specifically right now, God, I even pray that you would put stuff on our hearts right now about our schedule, about our daily lives, that we can lay before you, and God, if there's a commitment that you want anyone to make just between them and you right now, Lord, I pray that that would happen. That we would live out our devotion to Jesus Christ. God, would you please strengthen us in the areas of prayer and your word and fellowship and whatever else you have for us. Help us to walk rightly with you in devotion to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.